0: Well, it's great to be back here. Uh, As many of you know, I was in Haiti. Um, I don't know where all of you are today. A lot of you aren't here. It's summer. Michael, I I blame you. No. (laughs) I want to thank Michael for covering last week. What a great job he did. And, And Ted as well on Wednesday. Thank you, Ted, for stepping in. And so many of you know I was in Haiti uh, for about a week. There are still some people, a part of our community who are there, going to be there another couple of weeks. Uh, Denise is there, and she's doing some amazing things to try and get the teachers accredited there so they can continue teaching at the schools there and actually revitalize a whole area in Conj where they used to have a hospital, and all that has changed as they built a new hospital but they have an incredible facility, and they want to try and make use of that, and maybe training teachers and using it as a teacher training facility. So some pretty substantial things that she's trying to do. And so want to be praying for her and the group that's there. You know, something about Haiti, at least with me, every time I come back, I have this digestive thing go on. I won't go into detail. Um, but it's something that happens often when you're in other countries. I don't get this. Usually it's bad when I go to Mexico, but for some reason Haiti is different. So you pray for them for the discomfort levels uh, to decrease. But I'm going to talk a little bit about what took place in Haiti. I want you to see what We, as a community, did. Many of you, again, know that last year we raised over $20,000 to build an eating facility, a cafeteria there in Haiti. And and we've seen just little pictures, but I actually got to go and see the completed project, and it was amazing. Uh, It is complete. It's completely painted, completely uh, tiled. The sink is in, all those things. Some of the pictures don't show it. Uh, completed you just get a a little bit of it i should have taken more pictures i was a little overwhelmed i hope you'll be touched by this so we're going to go ahead and show the video and then i'll talk about it a little bit more again thank you for being a part of this I know I got to actually go and see it, but you are a part of it, and what took place there is because of us as a community, and it, it's an amazing thing. It really is. We're not a, a huge uh, faith community, but we did something very huge, something that is impacting the kids and hopefully that school uh, for years to come. I wanted to talk just a little bit about the building and some of the things that are there, um, This is where the building now is. This is what was there before. It was just a dirt lot, basically, where the kids would go. There's other places where the kids can be outside and play, but this is where the cafeteria now is. This is looking from the bottom of the hill up at the top of the cafeteria. And, and over here to the left, you see these two places. These are actually two showers that they included in there. And this bottom portion right here is a huge a containing facility for water so that they can hold water there. It's got a little spigot down here at the bottom where they can actually now use it to rinse out things and to clean up. And so it's water that's available. They get this water from a Catholic church that's up the hill that allows them to use some of the water that's being pumped there now. But now they actually have a facility uh, where they can use this uh, on a regular basis. Uh, There's the spigot for the water facility. And this is the stairs going up to where the classrooms are and to the other portion of the facility. This is the back portion of it facing a hill. This is facing the main cafeteria. This is when it was completely done. The doors are painted. We painted all the windows and the walls and cleaned up after we made the mess that was there. I got to paint with a paint roller and a stick. It was kind of cool. It was like a branch from a tree that they put a a roller on. It was kind of Ingenious, I thought. Here, I've been going to Home Depot. I could have went in the backyard and just made something. Um, but this is the main cafeteria area. And this is, looking back, this is the other portion, the kitchen. There's a door going into the kitchen and to the cafeteria, plus the door on the inside. And again, this is kind of the courtyard. It's a little bit skewed here just because of how the picture was taken, but it's a pretty good-sized space. Again, the two doors, and again, this is the entire uh, building, the cafeteria, and the kitchen area. Um, Inside, it's a little dark, hard to see, but... This is inside again after it was completed. I'm not sure how they're going to set up the tables and chairs for eating there. One of the things that was taking place here is all these styrofoam containers is what they, uh, we, they made the food and they put the food in the containers and all the students that were part of the school had name tags and they would get their name called and then they would give them. Uh, one of the styrofoam things that contained the food, plus those who worked there, the teachers, and all the people who were working as well. Here, here's a list of a lot of the names that were there. When we were there, we, we got to sit down and eat inside the cafeteria. They made a great spread for us. We had a picture in the video. And we were eating the standard goat, chicken, uh, some rice and beans. Uh, it was something that you eat every day uh and it was a great uh you know just display of food and and as they were going through and handing the the styrofoam containers out to the kids they were calling their name i was watching it it was take place because i was thinking this is wonderful this place is going to be used for this and i saw about three containers left but i saw like seven kids still left and As they gave the last containers, there were still kids that hadn't eaten. And I started freaking out, kind of like I am now. Um, I was like, this can't happen. And I went, and I don't speak Creole, but I speak human. And I just pointed to the food, and I said, get this food and give it to these children. We don't need all this food. Let's get it to these children. And they were able to get some more styrofoam and take the food that was on our table and get it to these children because there's no way I was going to let kid go without, you know, I was going to go kill a chicken myself if I had to, but we're going to feed these kids. And I say this because the next thing that we want to do, the next area where we want to step into is providing uh, food services for the children of this school. Genoa is getting us the amount that it costs basically per per child to feed them for a month. You know, it's hard to to see and understand the conditions. You see some of those pictures here, and the kids are dressed. I mean, those girls in those beautiful white dresses, and you think, oh, man, look at they they got it pretty good. I do not know how they keep their clothes so clean. It is a miracle. I'm telling you, it is amazing. Everything is completely white, and everything is dirt around them. And, And when you go back to one of their homes... Many of them, they have a home that doesn't have a cement floor and it's one room where maybe six people live, maybe more. Some of them just have, uh, you know, palm leaves for a roof and the conditions are really terrible, but they look better than our kids did going to school. My kids never looked like that going to school. Yeah, My kids have showers, they have floors that aren't dirt, walls that are painted. These are just blocks, some of them just mud. And so it's difficult to understand the conditions that they live in when you see some of these pictures, but it's very minimal. Some of these children, this meal will be the one good meal that they get that day. And so it's a big provision. They have about 160 or so children going to that school. There is no way that we... I don't want to say that. I don't think we can do this by ourselves. And we're not having to. The Episcopal Church, St. Mark's, is also helping out. And there's going to be some other churches to try and step in and provide food for these children. But what we want to do is develop a food program where we basically take a child to lunch for that month. And it's something that we can do every month. So it's not like you're committed to this much money for the rest of your life. It's every month we can take this opportunity. And I want to challenge us. I don't want to just drain us. I, I don't want everything we do to be a drain on you financially, but I want to challenge us to think of creative ways that we can engage and help this take place by involving other people, involving the people at your work, the people at your school, your friends, your family. They don't have to be people who come to church to be able to provide food for a child for a month. Is an amazing thing. And what is wonderful about this is we are hands-on connected to it. I know there's a lot of programs out there that can do things like this, where you can feed a child. This is something that we have done. This is a thing that we have developed. We we built the latrine first. I guess we started at the end first. But then we we went up and we built the cafeteria. And now we can actually provide food for these children. And so in the weeks and months to come, we are going to be putting together a food program to let us know how we as a community can take this task on. But I want to challenge us to think bigger, to, to think beyond just us doing it, to think of how we can actually involve others to be a part of this, that we can share what is happening there at that school with the people around us and involve them. And by involving others in something like this, it's an amazing thing what takes place. When, when people go and do humanitarian work, they, they for some reason feel better about themselves. I wonder why. Because it's what God would have us to do. Because it is more blessed to give than receive. And, and those things that Jesus has told us are true. The things that John has said, God is love. Whoever loves is born of God. And when we start connecting to God in these ways by doing things, it opens our eyes to him a little bit more. And it's an avenue for us to actually bring an awareness of Christ to these people even more and so evangelism isn't just about talking but it's about how we actually live and and so those are things that are going to be taking place and and this actually Rick I went back to this I don't know if we go back to the beginning or if you can put up the beginning title block because we're going to conclude our series on core values uh Today, this is our fifth in the series, we're, we're, we've started off talking about the five core values. The first one, we, we give these metaphors. The first metaphor is that of wind and, and the value is mission is why the church exists. And the idea of wind is even as Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit and then sent them out. And the, the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 like a rushing wind and the church was born. From the very beginning, the intention of God was to send us out. And we, whether we realize it or not, or whether we even like it or not, the church is God's agenda for the world, and he has called us to go. So many times what I I fear has happened is we have established ourselves, but we have built our fortresses. We, We have made ourselves a place where we can go and we can feel at home with one another, But the idea of stepping out of that fortress becomes a little uneasy, and so we'd rather just stay in the comfort of our place. But from the very beginning, the intention was to send us. The second core value is the metaphor of water, and the value is that love is the context of all mission. Love is why we go. It is why we do what we we do. God so loved the world that he sent his son. It is the context that this mission takes place in. We don't go with an air of superiority. We don't go to try and make them like us. We go to bring the love of God to a world that is in need. It is because he loved us that we love him. It is because his love compels us. It is the motivation for everything that we do when we go out. And it's important to keep that focus and that context. Otherwise, it becomes skewed and it no longer represents the God who has sent us out. The third value metaphor was wood, and its structure must always submit to spirit. God doesn't dwell in buildings, He dwells in people. Our community changes based on the people who attend it and the people who leave. The work that God is going to do, He's going to do through the individuals who are part of that community. We don't establish things and then try and get people to join them. We see the gifts and the equipping that God has brought into the individuals and we want to utilize them. You see, you don't go to church. You are the church. And we need to recognize that so that the church can be the powerful presence of God it was intended to be. And that's not going to happen if it becomes an organization. Oh, we can do amazing things. There are people who are great at structure. You guys know me by now. Structure is not my strong point. It's not even my weak point. It's not even a point, okay? <laughs> but we don't want to do things just because of structure. Structure is not bad. But structure needs to be built around the people who God uses. And so... That wood is living. It, it's, I am the vine, you are the branches. We must abide, but we are going to bring forth fruit because God uses us, individuals, people. And remember when he says, You are the branches, he's not talking about you individually, he's talking about you collectively, this body of believers. When he says you are the light of the world, he's not talking about you individually. He's talking about us as a community. Yes, or last week Michael talked about the fourth value and the metaphor is fire. And the core value is relevance to culture is not optional. That when Jesus stepped into this world, he stepped in to a certain time and place, and identified with those p- people. It, it, it's not something that was unusual, it was natural. And I love how Michael shared about his friend Paul, how Paul just loved everybody, and so Paul connected to everybody because he can cared about them. He could relate to them. And you see, so much of what has happened, I believe, in, in church history... Is we've gotten comfortable in a certain period and certain things, and this is how we do it. And whenever there's change, it makes us uncomfortable, and so we resist change. And it happens from everything to using, you know, technology to the type of music we play, but it also happens in the conversations that we have, the language that we use. And so pretty soon we have our own language. We have our own clothing. We have our own radio stations. And we have segregated ourselves from the world that we're supposed to be living in. We have our own movies, and they're never quite as good. And you see, we we stop being relevant to culture. One of the quotes that I like from Erwin McManus is, the tragedy, probably the greatest tragedy, is the church has loved their pews and lost their children. We've loved the traditions more than we care to connect the truth of who God is to our kids. Every generation has its music. Every generation has its language. And if we don't speak that language, we will be unable to communicate the goodness of God and the truth of the gospel to the people around us. And today we're concluding, and I, I went over these because they are all connected. They all work to serve and build on each other. And the last core value is that of earth. And it's creativity is the natural result of spirituality. And I guess there's two things that we need to, to talk about here. Is One is creativity, because some of you, when you hear the word creativity, you get nervous. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not creative. I think Michael alluded to that last week as well he says oh no, no I don't do those things I I can't but I read what you did with your wife and your anniversary is it 13 years six. six years six years close <laughs> that was embarrassing happy six-year anniversary Michael and Corinne let's move on let's move on so I, I, I read Corinne posted that on your first date, you guys went to Buca de Pepos, and even though you were going to the prom with different people, you guys met there together. That's scandalous. But that, that's, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, the same. saying, okay. Yeah, okay. I was trying to make it interesting. Uh But then you went back there again and celebrated. So it was a romantic thing, and I heard you even danced under the moonlight. It was a beautiful post. So back to my point. (laughs) Whether you recognize it or not, you're all creative. Now, we might not be able to sing like Ashley did because that girl can sing. Uh, And you might not be able to... Be outspoken word like Brian does when he, he does the grassroots. But there are things that you can do. I, I remember talking with Rick at one of our leadership meetings. And when we talked about this, Rick was, you know, I'm not creative. I can't do anything. You know, and he's like, gee, you know. And yet Rick has created a community of guys who go mountain bike riding. He hasn't been able to do it lately because we have knee problems and stuff. But he created that. You, you create an atmosphere when you go into a room. You see, we as a community created this cafeteria, this eating facility in, in Haiti. It's something that was born. And so creativity is more than just being able to, to play music or to dance or to paint. And, and spirituality is our connection to God being evident, I mean, it's interesting. The word spirituality isn't in the New Testament. It's something that we've developed because it's a way that we see a connection to that which is spiritual. And so we use the metaphor of earth because it is from the ground that, that things grow. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the parable of the seed that's being planted in the soil. And that soil whether it's good or it's rocky or it's filled with thorns, produces something and the soil is just the place where something is able now to grow. And so creativity, the ability to produce something, it's another way of saying fruit. It's the way of producing something that comes because it's connected to our life and our faith with God. See, for too long we've defined the goal of of holiness as separation. Separation from the world or, or simply to be sinless. If you don't sin, then that's holiness. That's what makes you right with God is to stop doing these things. And our entire pursuit of holiness has been to... Regain what was lost when the fall came. Well, we got to get back, we got to stop doing all the things that have happened, and we try and get back to ground zero. But in the garden, humanity was both good and sinless. Why have we made getting back to zero the highest result of the cross? Jesus came to die so that we wouldn't do bad things, and that's been. So much focus. And so we want laws to pass to stop people from doing bad things. Because we think that's what's necessary. If we can stop doing the bad things, then we'll be right with God. But we know that's not the case. We know that's not what Jesus came for. He came that we might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. Is an abundant life defined by what you don't do? And yet, it seems much of what the church is known for is what they're against. And so little is being seen of what we are for. You see, if our voice was heard by the things that we do that are positive, then it would give substance to the lives that we live. But we try and do things the other way around. We want people to have respect for the life we want to live, but then we don't do the things that connect to that life. And and so at Jesus' time, you know, the friends of Jesus were sinners. And he was seen as the person who, who made friends with the sinners, but to the religious people, he was one of them. He's a wine-bibber and a glutton. But today, the sinners look at us and they just call us hypocrites because they don't see what we're supposed to be. And so instead of building walls to try and keep sin from entering in or to stop people from getting out, What we want to do is dig a well where people can become refreshed. And it's going to be something that is active and something that is intentional. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. I don't know where it is. Matthew chapter 25. Rick, do you have that slide? Matthew 25 verse 14 to 30. Here's a parable. Jesus says, again, it will be like, this is the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and trusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also... One with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance." Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you think of wickedness, what comes to your mind? When you think of it as something that a person does, that's wicked. And so it's so unusual here to hear a story where Jesus associates wickedness not with an act, but with a lack of activity. The person who did nothing was considered wicked and lazy. And you see, once again, it comes down to our understanding and perspective of what sin is. The idea of sin is to miss the mark. What what mark are we missing? Is it that we're doing something wrong or is it that we're failing to be who God has intended us to be? See, when God was at the beginning placing man in the garden, man had duties. He was to take care of the garden. He was to Multiply, be fruitful. He, he had a purpose. He had an agenda. I think so many times I think the garden was just this vacation perpetually. He's in Hawaii on a hammock and, you know, Eve, can you get me some more lemonade? Me? No. Let's get the servants to do that. I'm on vacation too. It was meant to be a productive display of what God had done continuing in The earth. His goodness was to spread through the things that they did. And missing the mark was to fail to do the things that God has intended us to do. And so we have to get out of this place where we just think, if I can stop doing these bad things, then everything will be good because it's not enough to do nothing. You are not here to stop doing something. God has created us, has gifted us, because we are supposed to be doing something. And it's important that we understand this. You you know, we preach against sin, but have we ever developed an anger, the anger of God, when it relates to? the loss of human potential? Have we ever been upset because people aren't doing what they should? If we have a group here that believe they are connected to God, then shouldn't that produce something? And that something could be a million different things. Again, it depends on all the people who are a part of that community. But do we get angry at the lack of our potential? Do you ever do this? I know I do, I'll sit back and I think, I could do so much more if I didn't watch as much TV. I could do so much more if I didn't spend so many hours just rabbit trailing on the Internet. Now I know how to make, you know, a pie in a cup because I watched a video, you know. It's like, what do I need to know this for? I don't know, but it was interesting for two minutes. What would happen if we really lived to our potential? to the things that we are gifted in, the things that we could do, how effective could we be? What could we accomplish? Have we ever looked at human lives and felt our hearts break not because of the sins committed but because of the potential that was left untapped, unattended? You see, but this requires effort. It requires us to step in and be active. And what happens so many times is we want to be comfortable. And stepping into these new arenas make us uncomfortable. It requires of us anything good, anything that we want to do is going to require something of us. If you want a good relationship, you're going to have to invest in it. I guarantee you, you will not become close to someone if all you do is go on dates and go to the movies. That's the easy way out. I don't have to talk to her. I can just watch the movie. Wasn't that a great movie? Yeah, let's eat dinner. Now I'm eating. I don't have to talk to her either because I'm eating. So I go and I eat and I go and watch the movie and say, we're so close. No, it's going to require conversation it's going to inquire what's happening in the other person it's going to involve you stepping out of that comfort comfort zone and actually being vulnerable and getting that person to know you and that's scary but it requires something it means stepping out i'd like to see something take place to help the kids That means you're going to have to take a day and you're going to have to go and actually do it. That's what Kelly did with the quarter notes. One Saturday a month, committing to that to to help get the kids involved with the music. That's what Denise is doing in Haiti right now with the, the teachers. I can tell you that it's not a vacation. There are some places that are nice, but there's the hotel where I was staying at, the Mirage... It's a mirage, all right, because you, you don't know what's getting there. One day the pool had water, the next day it didn't. I don't know. You're like, huh? I wonder where the pool is. And then And then the showers well, I don't know, shower would be a different term. There was a pipe in a wall that would come out trickling water, but not all the time. They, they turned the water off for some reason from like seven to seven, seven at night to seven in the morning, which is a drag when you get home back at eight and have to leave at six. Okay. It's like, huh? Water would have been nice today, but huh? Oh, well, get the handy wipes. I'm, I'm okay. You see, Denise is over there and it's costing her something but she wants to see something take place. And so she's stepping in and making an intentional effort to do something, even though it's going to cost her. What do you want to see take place in your life? It's going to cost you something. But if you take the 10 bags of gold that God has entrusted to you, say, I'm going to get 10 more out of this then you see the Father's pleasure. And not only that, He he gives more to you. But how tragic it is that God has gifted us in so many various ways and we have taken that and done nothing. And then He says, wicked, lazy, and I'm not here to to bring guilt or condemnation, but I, I want to bring an awareness. Because for too long, our conversation has related to the image and likeness of God and how we've defiled it as being negligent in, in the things that we do. You sin, you're, you're involved with this, when really maybe the way we're negligent is by the things that we fail to do. We were created not only to declare who God is, but also to reflect who God is, his greatness, his beauty in the things that we do. You see so many times institutions, they devaluate human potential and minimize the contributions of individuals. When every one of you are meant to to be a part of what God is doing. Every one of us has a contribution to make to what God is doing. And like the earth, we were created, produce life. And in this environment, this apostolic environment that we're talking, being people who are sent out, not only do people change, but they actually can get better. Are you getting better? Are you becoming a better person? Is it showing up in who you are, your character, the things that you do? It's something that is supposed to influence the world around us. You know, it's not incidental that five times in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about when the unbeliever is there in your midst. When that person who doesn't know Christ is there with you. Five times in one chapter he talks about that. Because it's something that is supposed to be taking place. When they are there, are they going to see who God is by what you do and how you live? Is that something that is going to take place? It's amazing that we can actually think that genuine worship would not be compelling to a person who doesn't believe. And worship is more than just the music, how you live your life, the things you do. So like I said, when you do something like feed the children in Haiti, that should be compelled. Why? Because that is an active response to what God has done. That is from our spirituality doing something. It's bringing out that fruit. And and that's something that someone can see and say, you know what? I see God in this. I want to be a part of this. And, And it's meant to be that. When we focus on character development, what do we think of? How do you develop your character? Again, so much has been emphasized on eliminating things. Don't watch so much TV. That'll make you a better person. Oh, don't drink, because that'll make you a better person. Oh, don't watch that. Oh, don't do this. And so much of our character development has been about eliminating things of our lives, but... If I think of people who are people of character, people who stood out to me, it is not because of what is absent in their life that I see them as a person of character, it is because of what I see in their lives that makes them a person of character. It's because of the things that they do that I'm able now to connect, that's the, the creativity that's taking place and the things that are taking place in their life. And now I can see something of substance. Now I can see something and say, yes, that's what I like, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to emulate. That's what I want to be a part of my life. And so many times we think if I could get rid of this, I'll be a better person. But we don't realize that to get rid of this problem in your life, you probably need to replace it with something. If you find yourself getting involved with things that you shouldn't try involving your thing, your life in things that you should. And then you don't have time to involve your life with things that you shouldn't. If you want to be busy, I can keep you really busy. I can give you a lot of things to do. What do you want to do? Start putting your life into action. And it will take away the potential of the inaction and the wickedness and the laziness that Jesus talks about. You see... When our hearts are connected to God, when we are active in this relationship with God, it it changes how we think and it changes the things that we do. Because creativity is born from our heart, our character. And so there are people who are creative but if their heart is separated from God, it can go to a dark place, right? And we've all seen that. We've seen it in art. We've seen it in music. We've seen it in film. Oh, it's creative, but it's dark. It's separated from the creator. But when we're connected to God, it influences everything that comes out of us. And so this relationship with God is meant to produce something in us that then comes out of us. And if nothing is coming out of us, then we're like this servant who, though God had entrusted with something, did nothing with it. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that person. Character transformation is more than elimination of sin. Character transformation is more than beginning to express the fruit of the Spirit. It is actually seeing that come to fruition. I think when we start thinking of things going back to zero, if I could just eliminate these things from my life. I think we lose power. I think we lose perspective. I think we fail to recognize what you and I were created to be, the potential that God has given us. You know, and one of the the things that we have wanted to focus all along here at Genesis is just this: that you are a part of something very, very big. When you come into this relationship with Jesus, it changes you. You are now a new creation, but that new creation produces something. And we want to help you to connect to God so that you can produce the things that God has created you for. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has preordained from the foundation of the world. And we've talked about this again. Those good works isn't a tightrope that you walk. It's a highway that you run down. You don't have to ask permission. God, can I feed this poor child? Let me think about it. No, it's not my will. Of course it's his will. God, can I help this person out? Well, I don't know. Of course you can. Now, you might have to make a decision. Can I help this person or this person? Well, which one do you want to go to? They're both good. Do one of them, but don't do nothing and say, I'm praying, I'm waiting on God to give me something. What, what Does that remind you of a parable we just read? Oh well, God, I didn't want to be out of your will, so I did nothing. Is that true for us? You know, it saddens me when I hear the conversation. And I've been a part of this conversation. When I hear people talking about, you know, oh man, it's the end times. The Lord's coming soon. That, that's not the problem. The problem is the motivation. Oh, yeah, do you see what the Supreme Court did? Oh, man, it's the end times. And this end times becomes this thing of, oh, someday we're going to get out of here. Someday we're going to be gone. You're not gone. You're here for a reason. Quit thinking about when you're going to be gone and start doing something when you're here. Oh, now the Lord is coming back because, uh, you know... Bruce Jenner is uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Now the Lord's coming back because the Supreme Court has done this. What about when the 500,000 to a million people died in Cambodia? Was the Lord coming back then? Did we care then? No, it was out of sight. It was out of our mind. But God cares then. God cares now about the people around us who are hurting. And you are the voice of God. Hope to this world. You are the light of this world. Stop worrying about when you're going to get out and stop Start being here now and doing something now. Start living to the potential that God has put within us now. Stop worrying. Because we are here for a reason. We have been entrusted with something valuable. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And if the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he's able to make alive our mortal bodies. Make alive to do what? We're made alive for what purpose? So we can go to heaven? So that we can start revealing heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will going to be done on earth? It's going to be done through us. It's going to be done through his body, the church. And so this core value, creativity, is the natural result of spirituality, is really Enforcing what this parable is talking about. If God has given us something of value, then that something of value needs to come out of our lives. And it can come out of anything from music to art to building a cafeteria, food facility in Haiti. It it, it can show up in poetry. It can show up in the children serving them. It can show up in so many ways but it's meant to show up. And it's the natural thing that happens when you're connected to a living God is it produces life in you. We need to stop thinking about our little world and being so upset about the things that just happened that, oh man, if we can get back to the good old days. What good old days were those? I'm trying to remember, you know. Oh, back in, I remember, you know, the 90s. I think in the 90s is when Rwanda went through their million people being killed. Are those the good old days? Or is that just your nostalgic way of looking back at something? You see, we're very selective in the, the memories that we have. And we're even geographical. It's just about us. And Americans do this a lot. You know, oh, we want to protect our country. I think God cares about more than our country. I think God cares about the world. And if we are his representatives, then we need to as well. Well, I, I care just about these things that affect me. Well, I think God is wanting us to step out of the comfort zone And care about the things that affect other people and be an example to them as well. And so I hope that as this series on our core values ends, that you see that what we are really about is being postured to bring Jesus to the people around us, locally and globally not only in the things that we say, but in how we live and the things that we do. That even as our, our statement says, we are here to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. That's who we are, and that's what these core values are meant to keep us on focus with so that we don't become a social club, so that all our activities aren't about us and how we can feel better. There's nothing wrong with having teas and breakfasts and those kinds of things. But when that becomes all we do, something's wrong. And so we want to maintain this understanding. You are here to create a world that helps them see the God you believe in and who you serve. Let's pray. Father, there are times where this parable strikes at me, where I am the lazy, the wicked servant. There are are times, God, when I am not living to my potential. And and I know that. Lord, I think we all know that. Lord, you, you are challenging us not to less but to more. You are wanting us to live bigger lives, not smaller lives. You are wanting us to live more influential lives, not segregated, secluded lives. And so, God, may we maintain an awareness of who we are in you and what we are doing with what you have given us. May we desire to fill the world with your message of love and hope. And God, may we be people who make that a reality everywhere we go and in everything we do. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We, we thank you for your spirit who, who leads us and calls us to more. God, may we not rest until we can say like Paul, I have run the race, I have completed what you have set for, before me. Lord, I want to be that person. We want to be those people. So we dedicate ourselves to you, our lives to you, and ask you would strengthen us to be the people you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.